Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gore. Research says that 65% of your employees give you their time, but not their best effort or ideas. The sad thing is that that number hasn't changed in decades. So what's going wrong? Well, I'm on a mission to help businesses and their employees get much more out of their working relationship and create tons more mutual success. This podcast is here for all those who believe and want that too, and for those who'd like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode will cover the topics that can help you create what I call a stickier business. The sort of business where people love to work, where they not only say good things about you, but stay longer, work harder, and absolutely thrive in the environment you create. And where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So, if you fancy listening to a podcast that tries to take the tricky out of being sticky and that might just help you light the fires within your people and propel your business to untold success, then please download and subscribe to the Sticky From The Inside podcast and join the stickiest conversation on the air today. So here we are on episode three of my Sticky From The Inside podcast. And today... I am hugely excited and thankfully joined by a seasoned podcast host to ride shotgun with me and, if I'm honest, probably take over the steering at times as we delve into another topic related to employee engagement and that stickier workplace culture thing. My guest today is Megan V. Walker. Now, Megan is an independent power platform consultant and Microsoft Business Applications MVP. And the co-host of a hugely successful and award-nominated UP podcast. Megan, hello. Hello, Andy. Wow, that was quite the intro. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say how many times I had to rehearse things like Power (laughs) Platform, you know. It's hard to say. (laughs) It's hard to say at this time in the morning. Yeah, that is true. That is is true. Well, look, thanks for being here. And I've I've mentioned that you're award-nominated. I mean, yeah it's oh. quite <laughs> no no we were to be, I mean genuinely yes it's award nominated yeah uh did we start the ball rolling and nominate ourselves ah yeah classic. absolutely yeah but then we asked other people to do it and then we made the so we made the shortlist um of the people's choice section of an award if we're honest that's the award everybody wants right isn't it yeah Yeah. and we've only been doing you say a veteran or seasoned co-host I I didn't call you a veteran I I literally oh okay sorry maybe (laughs) that's what I wanted to hear I mean that sounds and smells like an old steak I mean that's it does doesn't it Mm. but we've only been doing it since May so yeah it's not that long well I'm very pleased you're here um thank you I'm sure I learned a lot and um so what have you been up to recently yeah, so th- I mean, the podcast is a is a is a big thing for for me and the lady that I do the podcast with. Her name is Lisa Crosby, and she's in Australia. So we talk about trying to come up to, with things to say early in the morning. We are quite a big time difference away, so it's six thirty in the morning for me when we record that. So that's a lot of fun. <laughs> so, I mean, can you get 
a bigger time difference? And I don't think so. And no. with the with the time changes, we just moved further apart from each other. <laughs> so uh, it was like, really? 6.30? So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So doing that, we do that every week. Um, and as you said, I'm a power platform consultant, which is basically uh, different Microsoft products fall under this power platform area. Um, things like Power BI, which a lot of people listening would like be more likely to have heard of Power BI than anything else. Um, something called Power Automate, something called Power Apps. Um, so it's basically every day is full of just building geeky stuff, which I love. So yeah, things are things are good. Business is is booming, as they say. So. Well, that's very encouraging. I mean, I'm nodding yeah. at all these IT applications that you mentioned, um, but that there's nothing behind my nods. I mean, Excel. I'm a- Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So Power BI is like better than Excel. <laughs> Anybody listening to this podcast is now going, have I tuned into the right podcast? I, mean, <laughs> I uh, promise I won't say anything more about Microsoft geeky techie stuff. <laughs> well, on that topic, it's kind of like, well, why are we talking? What's a power platform MVP Microsoft type person talking to a guy who goes on about workplace culture and employee engagement and stuff? But I actually think we've got, quite a few things in common with the sort of things that we do for for work and so why don't we just get stuck into today's topic which yeah might seem like a bit of a strange one but let's go for it anyway look when I think of culture in the workplace I think of the the base level foundations of having a a safe fun uh, productive learning working environment right and it's supported by things like hiring by a set of values and and everybody in there being really clear about where the the business is going you know what that strategic intent is and how they contribute to that and not insignificantly a place where people feel safe and confident to kind of stick their hand up speak up make suggestions and and get involved where they can in fact you know involvement is openly encouraged and also where there is genuine cross-functional collaboration and you know this particularly might be the link that that we end up talking a a bit about Megan but I mean as a base standard for culture do you you Mm. agree with that in terms of what what you do with yeah absolutely absolutely would so if we bear that incredibly long introduction in in mind my theme for today is please strap yourself in see if you're, you're you're ready for this is how big do you have to be to really think seriously about culture. And if we're talking smaller numbers here, do the same things that we've just applied and talked about have to have to be there for a very small organization, in, incredibly, even perhaps an organization of one, which mm, mm-hmm. we, we both are, right? Yeah, absolutely. A company of one. A company um, of one, yeah, good typing. Well, I, uh, I, I didn't come up with that. I stole that. There's a guy that wrote a book about it, which we can talk about later. But um mm. So the I think the things that you mentioned, you talk about um, the values, hiring by a set of values and, yeah. um, you know, everyone understanding the business business intent, intent and it being aligned with your own personal values. The, the way I view it is when I, um, pr- before going out on my own, if I was looking for a new job, I was basically applying for places. I was looking on either Glassdoor or I was looking on different places for reviews for that company. I was looking at their website to see how they worded things. 
the company culture is very important to me. It's important that I work for an organization that has values or ethics or goals or, you know, testimonies or whatever that align with how I feel about things personally. So that's really important to me. Now, when I looked at starting up and going out on my own, those things are still really important to me. But then I have to look within myself even further. So those hiring by values, I'm not hiring anyone and I I will never hire anyone else. I wanted to work just me on my own. I don't have plans to be bigger, just better. You're not going so, to turn into a conglomerate? Or... No, I am not. I no. am not. It's just going to be me. Um, but So those hiring by values, the hiring part doesn't exist, but the values do. But it's, to me, it's almost then more important because those are my own personal values that are important. Mm. The the business intent, I have to be clear and 100% know where I'm headed, what I want to do. Do And you, you talk about, like, would I turn down a client? Absolutely, and I have. I have basically disengaged myself from people who, just based on their correspondence alone, where there's no, it's just short, curt, terse, the email correspondence, almost like a, an expectation that, well, you're a consultant, you need me, so I could be anywhere I want. That, that doesn't align with my own personal values and morals oh. of treating somebody a certain way. So I would absolutely disengage and say, thanks, but no thanks, good luck, try, try someone else. See, that's, that, I think that's quite huge, right, because lots of people will say that. Um, but it's, it's it's harder to actually see it through. What did it feel like when you did that with your when um, it first up? I think when I first started, I was it it was a bit more sort of ooh, um, am I doing the right thing? Hmm. But it, I have worked places that have been so misaligned with my own personal goals and my own personal values that it's made me feel sick because I've felt that I'm doing things that are. I don't want to say morally wrong because that makes it seem like I was being asked to commit crimes. Where were you working? <laughs> exactly. Um, but but to where it was either lying to clients or omitting the truths to clients about when things are going wrong on projects and that kind of thing, as opposed to transparency, which is to me the only way that you should work with clients. Yeah. So I knew how I would feel if I went down the path of working with someone that made me feel I was I was working against my morals. So that's not to say that you, like with any organization, no matter the size, you could take on a client thinking everything's okay, getting a good vibe, mm. and then getting into a project or getting into the meat of the work and realizing, ooh, they're not quite who I thought they were. And that's, you know, that those are just then the lessons, aren't they? And they're just kind of like, I probably won't work with that person again. No, see um, the project through and... Um, and yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Because again, that goes back to your own standards doesn't it in your own morals is I've taken this on you see it through and then you just kind of move on and put that one back to to bad experience so I think the other the other thing in terms of with any kind of culture is you want to be able to take on the employees feedback and listen and and have the employees feel like they have a say in the success um, and the the ongoing journey of the organization to a certain degree, right? You want to get that feedback. Um, and, and it might sound silly, but I kind of have to stop and pause every so often and evaluate how I've done something previously and then say, right, well, did that work? Well, no, how can I do it better? How can, how can I improve? So 
I feel that those those elements of a culture I'm still doing for myself. Um, and that could be just because of the, the sort of personality I have. Um, you know, the way my mind works is I, I kind of feel like that's important to kind of evaluate myself along the way. Yeah, I mean, if you're it's talking to yourself and asking yourself questions, Megan, that's, yeah. that's a medical <laughs> it right. is a bit. Of, yeah. It is, but it, but if you look at it, you know, you work for an employer. Um, you have um your ongoing reviews, right? You have either your annual re- review, you might have a six month one, you might have quarterly reviews, whatever. Um, and those were the times for me that I that I enjoyed because I'm I'm very much a self start. I'm very much someone that is takes take something on and then just runs with it Mm -hmm. or even find a gap for something and says, Oh, let me fill that. And here's how I've done it without being asked. So I'm being very much, that's the way I work. So getting that feedback was always important to me because that was the only time someone said, Hey, you've done a great job with this, or maybe you could have done this differently. So those many sort of, "Hmm, let's just stop and pause and retrospectively look back. And, And I will do that again when I reach the end of this year, this is my first year out on my own. What did I do well? What didn't work? What should I do more of? What should I do less of? I think it's important for any size organization to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, that bit of reflection, right, um, is, is, is hugely important to take stock. Yeah. And I do like the idea of asking yourself some questions, which I think we all do in silence, maybe, but actually recognizing that you're going through that process, I think, is, a, mm. is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've talked very briefly about um how it feels and what you're buying from the communications whatever from a from a client or you know a company mm-hmm. um but when you're selling you know you, you're, we're walking into the personal brand element here mm. so how are you how are you trying to project those values early on in the relationship um yeah between you it's a good and question client? um i mean when you did my introduction um and, flawlessly, and by the way flawlessly, flawlessly. Yeah. and I hope you don't mind me saying Andy did actually say do you want me to use the v and I said yes and the importance for that is to me is is all about it's part of my brand my website is Megan V Walker my Twitter is Megan V Walker my YouTube is Megan V Walker so it it's important that to me there's consistency with that so your personal brand number one that is an important value to me is that somebody knows that I'm consistent. They know that if I say I'm going to do something by a certain time, I absolutely will. I don't want someone to have a question mark over my over me when they think of me and am I reliable? Am I somebody that will follow through with what I've said? So consistency is, is absolutely key. Now, with the, the way in which my journey worked, um, in terms of being able to go out on my own, I think not intentionally, but I had started a journey of producing content um, probably about 2017, I think, when I first started really getting into some of these Microsoft products. So there's one that's called Dynamics 365, or it was CRM at the time, some people might have heard of. And that's what I was using, and I was learning more about it. And each time I learned something, I thought, well, if I didn't know this, there'll be a whole bunch of other people that that won't know it. So I had a blog, um, did a few videos here and there, and, and that's what I started with. And then I really got into it, and then I produced one piece of content that, for me, I'm not a Kardashian, obviously, so, 
you know, the comparisons. We, we, there was no video attached here. No one knows that, Megan. <laughs> I am I'm the English cousin of the Kardashians. Is that where you are? I mean, I'm no. sitting here in a smoking jacket looking pretty <laughs> dapper, but you'll never see it. This is true. He absolutely is. Um, so so in terms of when I say that jokingly, but in terms of something going viral, yeah. I'm, I'm saying I'm not at that level. But I had this blog post that before I'd had, you know, a few tweets, likes, liked, retweeted here and there. But it went like crazy to where I had like hundreds of tweet, uh, tweets, hundreds of likes, hundreds of shares Fantastic. because of this piece of content. It was amazing. So so that then made me like I was more uh, like I I got more traction. More people started to see the content, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. fantastic. And it just built and built and built. And this Microsoft MVP thing that again you you um, mentioned in the introduction is an award that is given to people for um, basically community contributions. So within the dynamics and the Microsoft um, community, people that essentially either share content, do presentations, um, help out with things. Microsoft recognizes that. So I got that as well. And then I was learning more and more and I started to think, hey, I could do this consulting thing on my own Mm. and not actually have to deal with the constraints of uh, an employer that I didn't feel was really as supportive as I wanted them to be. And so I'd kind of built up that personal brand um, without realizing I was, if that makes sense it very much got to a point where I, I suddenly realized I have this personal brand and then I started to lean into it more and do things more with intent, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that then you are using yourself as a promotional vehicle. Exactly. Point. And you have to be really careful that those lines don't blur because the difference with with me and also yourself as well is do you pick a company name or do you stick with your own name. And for me, it was like, I'd built up this brand on me. So I thought it doesn't make sense for me to give myself a company name as well, because mm-hmm. then I have to build up another brand when I've already got this one. Um, but the difference is that it's everything that I now do that I'm putting out there is then a reflection of me and my work and my my company, if that makes sense, as opposed to an organization having people behind the organization name building up that brand. Yeah, I mean, I, I am a juggler of brands, and uh, I'm not sure I've got any of them up in the air together at any one time. Yeah, there, mm. there's, <laughs> there's what I started with, which was me. And then, you know, when I came out and did my own thing, there was the biz juicer thing. And then, you know, the content stuff that's pretty much started on LinkedIn around being sticky from the inside is mm. is another brand, and um, I'd like to think that Andy Gorham, the brand, is the is the chief, but it isn't really. I, I'm a vessel. Um, it's hard think, to know, though, isn't it? it, it, it... I, I guess at any one time, whichever dial you dial up in that situation takes takes the lead. I think what mm. I'm trying to do is be true across all three of them to mm-hmm. core values, personal brand, the same as I would expect of a company, right? Just, yeah. like, just like we're talking about here is trying to be consistent. And I think the interesting thing you say about video content and what have you is, you know, I started out writing, you know, some some blogs. And it, it, if you're a good writer, you can get your personality across, but there's nothing like having a piece of you uh, either on audio or on video to sort of really get your personality across. And for me, the videos that I used to do on LinkedIn were the first first part of, I guess, people who didn't know me seeing mm-hmm. my personality and and um, 
and that's why no one watched. Uh, I mean, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully oh, what that, a lot of what a yeah. lot of rubbish. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into my deep neuroses at another time. But uh, <laughs> I, I think you know the comments you get back are about, oh, well, you're like this, and I think that's when your connections start, and and that's how to sort of grow your business, right? Yeah, Ooh. your connections start, and also I'm okay with the fact that that my content will turn some people off in terms yeah. of there will be some people be like, oh, that's too simple or it's, you know, it's not technical enough or it's this or it's that. But then I know that actually my market, my target audience is for people that didn't know how to do this and will be able to learn something. It's not those that are already of a, of a different level. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not targeting towards you at all. No. So if it turns some people off, that's okay because you weren't right and and I I wouldn't ever work with you anyway because we just our values don't align. So it's okay. It's almost like a a way a deterrent to sing to to sort of eliminate people if that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, let's try and track where we've got to so far. So we we started off with company culture and and do those foundations match up to a, to an independence like us? And so far we've sort of we've hit on the the values piece that that has to be right at the core. We've we've hit on the involvement piece, which is which is great, and that whole thing about even asking yourself questions uh, and and getting involved fr- from that perspective. The hiring stuff doesn't work for us as independents, but it does when we're trying to match up to clients. Mm, right? Absolutely. So, so yeah. I think that's I think that's really interesting. so far. You know, there's a pretty good matchup between what we would expect from a company culture and what we would expect from an independent person mm-hmm. like to portray culture. But particularly our behaviours, right? So you've got a set of values, and much like companies, it's all very well having um, values written on a mouse mat or daubed across a wall, unless they're actually mm. kind of lived and breathed on a daily basis. They're worth nothing, really. So yeah, in that agreed. behavioural stuff, is there is there a link between like having you know a defined set of behaviours that say a, a company might put together? Is that something as an independent you're conscious of? when you're going into places or is it something that's just more natural to you? I'm well, I think, and to me, this, this ties in with just don't, don't go out and do be a company of one and come up with values that are not your own values. Because otherwise then I would have to go into an organization and be really conscious of here's how I have to act because my values and, and the way I represent myself online is just me now it's a professional version of me meaning I'm, I would never go into an organization and swear I would never go into an organization and do silly dances or be whatever be like I am you know in my personal life so if there's a professional element when we talk about being yourself and being authentic d- people shouldn't get that confused with being yourself as you are any time in your life we're still talking about having that professionalism but when I go into a place I don't have to think about it because that's just who I am I'm professional I'm friendly I you need to have an element of warmth because and you know this you've got to go in somewhere where nobody knows who you are really um, other than they've maybe watched a video or whatever but you have to get them on your side and get them to warm to you very very quickly if they're going to trust when you are consulting and advising them on how to do things in their business that will make significant difference to processes or um, uh, cut costs or whatever it might be they have to trust you like that they have to so quickly warm to you 
and believe what you are telling them and guiding them to do. Yeah. So, so I think about in terms of, hey, I've got to be myself, but there's an end goal in mind, in, in, especially in those initial interactions, aren't there, that you need to like me. But bottom line, if they don't like me, it's not like they can call the company and say, can we get someone else? We just don't gel with that person. Yeah. It's but me or me. The contract's not going to last very long if that doesn't exactly. exactly. But are you conscious of the attitude, say, that you take when you walk into another another business? Um, um, so, so that to me then is would be the same as if I was working for any organisation. There has to be that level of professionalism. Right. There has to be. Who is it? Is it is it McDonald's or Disney that has something when somebody's going out in front of the people where it says smile? smile you're, on, you're on show. You're on show. Or you're on stage or something yeah. like that. So to me, that's the same thing. And I worked in hospitality for for probably about twelve, thirteen years before I moved into technology world. And it was the same thing. Kill them with kindness. It's, I'm here to serve. So there's an element of that in terms of you just have to switch on. And until you know them, you could build up relationships with your clients to Mm -hmm. where I could say, oh, I'm having a really crappy day. Don't feel so great today. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it might be. But you know when you get to that point with a client, don't you? I think you do. I mean, I think the attitude thing, simple. I, I don't. I, I think it's what you what you're trained. So whenever we talk about attitude and conscious choosing of attitude, I end up going back to the the fish philosophy thing that that I was mm. brought in one of my early companies. And yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> I, I, uh, I I do I do love that, but it does make me giggle because I think um, companies always get hung up on um, how are we going to throw fish around the office and if anybody's listening to this bit of the podcast going crikey i thought it was bad enough he was talking about spreadsheets now we're talking about throwing fish around but the fish philosophy is well it's a massive training i mean it's a tool it's a multi-million dollar training program now we should say the fish is significant because it was based on a um, fish market or fish company in, in Seattle. Seattle. In Seattle. And that's where it came from, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Pike's Fish place. is relevant. <laughs> yeah, fish. I, I was getting to that. So, yeah, Pike's Sorry. No, no, no. I think it's good to pull me back. Thank you. I did say you would take over the steering at some point. So, um, no, yeah, Pike's Place in Seattle. So, a fish market. And the owner of the fish market would look around and see a load of people coming out at lunchtime from the offices, the people he would call the yogurt dudes, uh, people who stood around not really knowing what to do, filling half an hour's time eating frozen yogurt and uh, not buying fish. And he wanted them to buy fish. So they came up with this fish philosophy that's based on four tenets of culture, right? Which, which they call be there. Right. So that mm-hmm. is being emotionally present. And that's something that they found really in the moment, being in that in that in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, really kind of be there, interact with people, because these guys have stood around. No one was interacting with anybody. So they came from behind the counter, if you like, and started to interact. And then they have this thing called play, which I think is the thing that companies get most confused with when they look at fish philosophy. But, but Play is all about unleashing that creative spirit. You know, you have an idea, mm. can we play with that? What can we do with that? But in the, in their world, it was literally hurling fish over the counter at each other 
um, and having playing silly games that was really like a show. It's like in, really interactive, yeah. but it, they were having fun. And they noticed that as soon as they were having fun and smiling, oh, the yogurt dudes were having fun and smiling and they were being there and everybody was starting to talk and things yeah. were starting to happen, right? And then they have make their day. So that is like, I love this piece and I've always used it. Work. There's shine a spotlight on somebody just, just for 20, 30 seconds, just mm. do something, something specially and targeted for them, engage with them in like a meaningful, meaningful, memorable way. And then the reason I keep talking about fish floss, it comes back to the choosing the attitude. And this is the one thing that really sort of struck home with me when I went through this, this process was recognizing the impact, right, that your attitude has on other people. And the fact that you can choose your attitude. I, I can choose to come on this podcast, if you like, and be incredibly serious and, mm, mm-hmm. and quite, quite dull. Or I, or I can choose to be kind of like really engaged, right? And yeah. but tell me about mm-hmm. your life. I, I want to hear about your your things, right? I want to hear. Yeah. Want to? I want to hear your point of view. I want to. I want to share things with listeners to sort of say, look, take this back to the ranch, have a go, right? Mm-hmm. And so choosing an attitude, I think, is hugely important. I think where the crossover comes, and I think this is this is fine for a personal brand, and it's fine for a company, but when you're walking into somebody else's business and somebody else's culture assuming that we've we think we've got the fit right um how aware of of you trying to fit in with somebody else's culture are you and how does that work i mean i think it's important to understand your client's culture mm. um and sometimes you might have to kind of almost take on attributes or elements from that culture to be able to truly succeed and truly build up a strong solid relationship yeah so i talk about being myself. So I'm not talking about changing who I am, but for example, I've got one client who um, they are a global organization. So I can be on calls with them. There can be people from Amsterdam. They can be people from um, the UK, the US, Canada, um, France, wherever. So there's, there's this element of they are universal or universal. They are global within themselves. And I know having, so I lived in the US for 14 years and understanding that people say things in different ways and have some have very abrupt um, personalities and that's part of who they are as their culture within their country, if that makes sense, or their um, idiosyncrasies, as we say, as a nation, then then you've got to kind of adapt to that, haven't you? Now, whether that's fitting in with their culture or that could be a little bit further spread, couldn't it? And, and be, I have to try and adjust myself to do business with somebody from another country, mm. um, which is very significant. So there's fitting in with the company culture. And if that company culture is global, there's, there's also fitting in and working with individuals on a different level as well. So it's all about adapting, isn't it? To who so, yeah. you're who you're working with but that and that again that's not just for a company of one that is for anyone you should be able to do that in business it's almost like trying to be a consistent chameleon it (laughs) absolutely is and I find it fascinating I love people and I love the psychology of it and it wasn't until I so again having worked in the US I became very very familiar and had to adapt myself within an organization that was in the US and I was told, you know, like in the UK, if, if, if some, we need to give bad news, there would usually be an email that I would put be like, unfortunately 
or I'm sorry to with you know with regret oh. or whatever it was very like apologetic mm. and I was told by um, a lovely woman who was a wonderful manager they said when you say that it it just basically puts all of all of the fault back on us even when actually we're delivering something that is not our fault and we're just telling the client how it is and so I had to retract certain words from my vocabulary because and even now to this day if I start putting unfortunately or I'm sorry to tell you whatever I step back and think is it unfortunate yeah or is it just the fact so so there's things like that that you just kind of you need to to just kind of step back and think, okay, well, how might this be received by this other person from this other country? Um, but you I want now... to avoid that culture clash, don't you? You want it to yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and... absolutely. And I've been offended by I've got quite a few friends in Sweden now because of working in this Microsoft world, um, and I was offended by a couple of people that I didn't know that sent me an email and they just said Megan and then just said blah. Here's what I need from you, and then no pleasantries. Ah. And I have a very good Swedish friend who explained it to me. She said, we just feel those extra words. We're wasting your time. We don't want to waste your time. Therefore, we get straight to it. And I was like, oh, okay. So now if I get that type of communication, I don't take offense. And I just look at it as where's it come from? Who's it come from? You know, what's their point of view? It's interesting. Lots of things to think about there. Mm, And um, well, this is the part of the podcast that is fast becoming my favorite piece. Maybe. Mm. Okay. It's the bit I like to call sticky notes. My guest leaves us with their top three things that people can take back to the ranch today to help them start improve themselves or making roads into improving the engagement or that workplace culture that we've been talking around. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Again, we're in the virtual world, so imagine, if you will, the walls of the Sticky from the Inside um, podcast studio right now. I mean, do you have an image in your head? Absolutely. It's great. It's beautiful. Well, it's probably, I can guarantee it's probably not (laughs) as good as you think it is. But I would like um, to get your three sticky notes and stick Mm -hmm. them on the wall, right, with the other guests' sticky notes, so that eventually, in the weeks to come, I am surrounded by sticky notes. Perfect. Okay. okay. So, so if you've got that um, picture, what are, what are your three sticky notes yes. behind? So number one, be authentic. Um, you can spot inauthenticity. Is that the right word? Inauthentic? We'll take it. Yes, it, it is. I don't know. Yes, it is. Okay. We can, you can spot that a mile off, um, not only from an individual, but from an organization as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so be authentic, number one. Just be genuine and be yourself. Number two, Learn to adapt. So what we've just been talking about in terms of fitting in, um, understanding where the other person's coming from, whether it's culturally uh, from from a different country, whether it's based on their organization, try and kind of adapt to to them. Um, And then number three, understand what you do. So meaning not just what are my skills, like what can I do as in I can do Power BI, I can do Power Automate, I can do this but I can't do brain surgery, although that would be important not to attempt. Um, yeah. But understand what you do and your morals and your values. So, so just know, know what you do in that sense. As well. So it's an alignment thing to your internal company. Exactly. Right. Where you go. Okay. So yes. Stretch. Yeah. Excuse me. Put these sticky notes on the wall. There we go. <laughs> Lovely. There they are. Good Marvelous. job. <laughs>
Brilliant. Well, look, I think we've sort of run out of time. Thank you so much for coming today and sharing your thoughts. But I think it's been interesting because it started off talking about culture and, and engagement and we're independent and how's that fit. And I think the main message that's come out today is I think that you're ever too small to consider your brand or your own kind of personal cultural impact. And actually the principles of, you know, clear business intent, engagement, mm-hmm. um, values, all those things are still the same principles for an independent or a small company. 100% Brilliant. agree. And and I would just like to say before we end, sorry, because I mentioned it at the start, yeah. this book, if anyone heard me say The Company of One, oh, the if you're of considering one, yeah. going out on your own, it's by a, a guy called Paul Jarvis. So I just wanted to, to make that known because I did steal one of his, um, well, I stole the name of his book in The Company of One. I don't know. I mean, I think stealing is a dirty word. I think you've borrowed it and you've highlighted Procured. it. Procured, and we'll stick it in the show notes. So actually, you're yeah. helping. Great. Well, thanks again, Megan. I again, overly appreciative. Uh, but thank you so much for being here today, and uh, I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation very much. Lovely. All right, mate. See you soon. Take care. Okay. If you'd like to find out more about Megan V. Walker and some of the things we spoke about today, you can find some useful links in the show notes, including the link to her, frankly, excellent up podcast. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.